Good morning and welcome to the Gold, Goats, and Guns Market Report for today, Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. My name is Tom Luongo and we have a lot to talk about. Um, shout out to our new patron list. I think we're well on our way to just over 2,050 uh, patrons. We're getting close to that number, so that's really cool. And I'll keep trickling in and or upgrading your uh, existing memberships, and I do really appreciate that. It's uh, always humbling to see all that happen on a regular basis. Um, I don't have any other major housekeeping things to deal with this morning. We are coming up on the end of, the, uh, of July, so Sunday will be, I think, the 31st. So that's the case, 29, 30, 31. Yeah, so 31, that'll be the monthly close on Sunday. And so we'll use that as a means, uh, check the market report on Sunday, be full of monthly closes and we'll see where we are uh then i'm not going to do that today because we've got the federal reserve this afternoon and you know anything can happen between now and friday all right depending on what jerome powell says today um i'm gonna start from the bottom up really everybody this is the big news of the day um depending on what powell says at the meeting at the the presser today i think the statement will probably be fairly boring i don't expect it to be much other than we're going to raise 75 basis points and i probably create a bit of a hawkish tone the market is expecting 75 basis uh, all the way across the board and because of that i think if powell comes in and you know doesn't light the world on fire that we're going to see a kind of uh we'll, we'll see a bit of a relief rally or whatever he could do that. He could also throw gasoline on the fire that is the European Union and do what the ECB did the other day, which some people are suggesting, which is to do away with forward guidance because the situation is too fluid, reserving, scaring everybody into reserving the right to, you know, call a meeting between now and September, right? Because uh, September's meeting is eight weeks away. And uh, lots of stuff could happen between now and then. And, you know, we've got Jackson Hole between now and then, uh, the annual convocation of Central Bankers at Jackson Hole. So there's all sorts of things that could occur here. And, you know, maybe that's what we're going to see. May, you know, maybe that's all we'll see. But Powell has a way of, of uh, doing things that people don't expect. And they're very, usually very small things. And then he does them. And... No one has any idea that they're important until after they begin to process them. I usually think the, what I've noticed is that the initial response to the Fed's uh, policy statement and the presser afterward is always kind of muted and then things change. And then the tenor and the direction of markets tend to change in the days after that. Is why that is? It's a good question, but you know, I think people need to be reading the Fed differently than they have. I think people just got really lazy in their reading of the Fed's uh, statements because the Fed for years was, you know, saying so little different meeting the meeting under Yellen and Bernanke that we just got lulled into the sense of, okay, well, they changed this word from this to that. That must mean these things. When the bigger picture is we we're changing everything, right? And I just don't think that, you know, even after four years, they have a handle on how to read Powell at this point. Because Powell is a different central banker. 
as we've talked about many, many times, and as I continue to beat my, uh, beat my shoe on the table about, right? So we'll see. If he goes 100 basis points today, which would be, I think, an upside surprise, that'd be interesting. Um, but I think 75 with, a, with reserving the right to call an emergency meeting effectively by doing away with forward guidance, I think is very important. Um, I think it would be just as good. And I think that his comments afterwards will tell you what the market thinks of everything. The market is expecting now that for the Fed is beginning to finally realize, I think, it's not expecting, but I think the majority of the people in the market are, expect, are uh, realizing now that the Fed is trying to outmaneuver the East. Okay? I think my argument is beginning to make its way deeply, deep enough into the zeitgeist that people are beginning to really think about what's going on. And um, we can see, I, you know, we can see a, um, um, a shift in the zeitgeist and everybody trying to blame the Federal Reserve for what's going on. I think this is part of that. You know, I'm not like busting my hand, patting myself on the back or anything. Really not. But I'm, I, I have to wonder, you know, what the, the echo chamber in Washington is thinking when they want to try and blame the Fed for their troubles when their troubles are their own creation. Now, I know it's a natural pivot and everything, but if they weren't getting, um, if they didn't, you know, it, it just, it just seems to me like the Fed, the fight with the, between the government and the Fed is real. And, um, and it's going to continue today. And the Fed statement today is going to probably, is going to tell us everything we need to know about what's going forward. If the markets react badly to the Fed, if we start, meaning we see the euro, like, fall out of bed further or whatever. Um, you'll know that the market has finally woken up to the fact that the Fed's not playing the same game that everybody else, that everybody thought they were playing. And, um, and now a lot of alternative finance guys are going to look like useful idiots. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to what's going on in Europe because what's happening in Europe is hilarious. The Germans at this point, I, I don't know that the Germans can um, can act any more arrogantly than they have. Vice Chancellor Robert, Hay Robert Habeck, who is obviously now setting policy with, with Olaf Scholz, for the most part being sidelined, um, is you know running around screaming about how, come on, they, they don't even have the... Uh, the guts to admit that they're involved in an energy war with us. Well, well you're not in, you don't have the guts to admit that you're in a freaking war with the Russians by sending all these weapons and military support to Ukraine. What did you expect to happen? You send weapons of war into Ukraine, and what? Because you think you have the moral high ground with a bunch of Ukrainian Nazis and drug traffickers and bio labs and, you know, degenerates? Like, I'm sorry, this is what you, this is the state you've created in Ukraine. And, you know, the Russians have said nuts to that. We're not doing this. We're not living like this. We're not going to live with these people on our border. Like, we're, you're not going to create a failed state on our border and have us not do anything about it. And you, you know, cite international law as your, uh, as your, as your justification for why you can get away with it. Like, no, we're cutting the gas off. Shut up. Your sanctions. We, you, you handed us the weapons to say we don't have the parts we need to do the maintenance on the pipeline to operate the pipeline safely, so we're not sending you any gas. 
all the things that, you know, I, I had to argue with Dexter White behind the scenes about back in February and March. Saying, you know, he kept saying, why don't the Russians just cut off all the gas to Europe and end this? I'm like, because they're not targeting the European people. They're targeting the European politicians. So you have to let the politicians cut their own throat. I, I you know, I, I sometimes I'm like, you really not, the people does not see the, the strategic play here. Like you have to destroy the credibility of the, of the people who put these policies in place and then let them scramble to try and re retain the moral high ground after five months when everybody is now like, you know, when everybody's desperate, okay? We have no food is going to be produced in Europe because BASF this morning just announced that they're cutting ammonia production in Germany. No ammonia, no food. No, no ammonia, no fertilizer. No ammonia, no, uh, no, no nitrogen precursors. I mean, basic, for, you know, first semester organic chemistry. You want a means, you're not going to get them. Like, this is the way it is. This is, this is, this is the reality. And they're the biggest users of, of, uh, of natural gas in Germany. It's not the people taking showers. You know, you're not going to cut 15% of the, of the demand by people, you know, taking cooler showers and turning down the heat in their homes. You know, it's going to be, do you, you know, are you, at that point, it don't matter. There won't be any Germans left because they'll have starved to death because there won't be any food. And somehow this is the Russians' fault. You people start a war, but none dare call it a war with the Russians. And then, you know, complain when the Russians turn around and go, you know what, it's our gas. We'll and it's our pipeline, and we'll operate that pipeline and we'll do whatever parameters we want. And if you don't like it, that's fine. You all work out amongst yourselves when you're going to get the, the turbines back to us. You know, maybe we'll think about shutting, turning the gas back on. Like, it's just dumb. Like, the Russians have, or have gone to the point of, you know, go shit in your hat. Okay? That's where we are. And, uh, you know, I don't blame them. That's what I would do. And I would have handled this exactly the way they did. I wouldn't have targeted the German people or the Dutch people or anybody else early on. I would have tried to, you know, allow the situation to de-escalate and say, look, this is what we're doing. You don't have to like it. But we can still do business together. You know, and meanwhile, we've got, you know, Zelensky out there asking for the, the, putting together a case in the U.S., in the International Criminal Court to bring U.S. banks that are aligned with the Federal Reserve in for war crimes, for what, buying, for trading Russian oil and gas. It's stupid. Like, people need oil and gas, dude, and the Russians supply it, and you don't like it, that's fine. Who the fuck is Ukraine to tell the world that they're not allowed to trade with, uh, trade with the, the Russians because it's a war crime? What, I mean... What planet do these people live on? Well, obviously, they live on planet oligarch. And we're not allowed to visit. Obviously, we're not even allowed to drive a car. Because, you know, that's why we're not allowed to visit. Because we're not allowed to have cars or access to transportation or travel or anything else. So, and then mixed in with all of this is, of course, the war on crude, which continues. Um, and it continues through the volatility. And I'll show you the chart for, for Brent crude in a couple of minutes, and you'll know exactly. You'll you'll see that this is playing itself out that way. That you know they're desperately trying to create a topping formation in the in the in the price of crude, and a narrative that the global recession is coming, which is why Europe continues to you know try and um, be the tail wagging the global economic dog 
say, oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a depression. If you don't have a functioning Europe, you're not gonna have a, a functioning global economy. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. You might think that. That's nice. We don't care. You know, you, you guys could stop using oil tomorrow and the world would still need more oil tomorrow than it did yesterday. Just saying. I'm not, not completely true. But it's 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 getting close. You know, every day that the that the European economy gets weaker. Moreover, um, I read an interesting article yesterday uh, that was that made the rounds. It was on Zero Hedge uh, from Oil Price and from MI6 agent. I mean, uh, Oil Price contributor Simon Watkins talking about how the the Russians making a deal with Iran is now a big threat to global you know gas supplies because he's a typical MI6 CIA whatever asset. He's British. He's probably a MI6. Um, Everything, you know, the Russians open up an, uh, a deal to invest in Iranian infrastructure, and this is bad for the world. This is the typical neoconservative thinking. We have to stop the Russians from investing in Iranians' gas fields because that would be bad for European energy security and, you know, the price of tea in China. I, I, this is the way they think. Everything is connected to the, the Russians aren't allowed to make money. The Iranians aren't allowed to make money. We have to stop them. Um, and just reading Watkins is is an exercise in doublespeak. The first half of the article actually isn't bad because he's actually just going over some of the facts of the situation and then and the details of the deal and yada yada yada, and the geography of the North Pars versus South Pars gas field and and back on Qatar and everything else. And then the second half is nothing more than Bellingcat MI6 doublespeak about how this all needs to be stopped because it's going to be terrible for Europe in the long run because it's going to be terrible for Qatar blah 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 like. And because the because the Russians because Vladimir Putin wants the USSR back, he literally trump, trumpeted out the excised quote about the USSR being the greatest tragedy of the 20th century quote in order to justify Putin's oil ambition while pimping his new book. Classic, like him and Peter Zahan should get together and you know and you know just hang out in a German Scheiße dungeon for Christ's sake. I think that would be good. I think it would be appropriate to be honest with it but you know hey this... all right let's get to the charts i'll get you out. all right um gold so last week we had a slightly larger than uh, normal volatility week uh which might have put in a bottom here around 1680 um We've got a double bottom here, 1680, and then 1680 is a level that goes way, way back, and then 1550 is below this. Um, so far, with a relatively high probability of breaking the, the the previous high, we haven't even approached it yet. Been muted trading in gold this week. Now, that may change the minute the Fed opens their mouths. What will happen with gold? I'm going to be honest with you. Given the structure of the market in gold right now, given where we are, Unless the Fed intends on breaking the stock market and raising 125 basis points and shocking everybody, I just don't see gold moving very much into either um, the Fed being overly hawkish or overly dovish. I think you'll see some spikes and some, you know, some short-term spike and positioning, uh, you know, repositioning on the parts of traders. But the general thing now is after a crash of this magnitude it's going to take time to rebuild bullish sentiment it's just that simple bullish positioning so you know 
I don't see a V-shaped bottom here in gold. I don't see a V-shaped bottom in silver. I don't see it because right now it's still a dollar denominated market. It's still a dollar dominated market. But it, it is absolutely still that. Um, and until, you know, the scramble for dollars is over and people start to realize that they don't actually want to hold dollars, they want to hold something real, well, okay, then, you know, that'll be that. But right now, we'll see. I want to see a few weeks worth of, of uh, consolidation in gold. I would like to see a moment or two of technical strength just to prove that, you know, at a weekly level that gold is comfortable in these levels. And that, you know, the operation to take down gold by the Fed, don't kid yourself, this is where the Fed is our enemy, um, was real and powerful. Look what they did. They took 20% off the price. Nothing you can do about it. And destroyed the miners in the process. And now we've enforced a whole lot of mining M&A activity within the industry, which is actually what you would expect at this moment, uh, moment in time like this. I know a lot of people are interested in the Goldfields uh, acquisition of Vana. I know that uh, Gold Standard Ventures, which um, we've been waiting, I've been waiting years for that company to get bought, finally did get bought. Uh, we'll have some color on that in next month's newsletter. Um, all of it is, you know, interesting, to say the least, but, you know, the, the, uh, the majors are now looking for cheap ounces in the ground and relatively cheap operating costs and ways to, 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 to minimize operating costs and build some synergies, geographic synergies mostly, especially in Nevada. And, uh, you know, do the thing, as it were. You know what I mean? Get prepared for the next big move because, you know, frankly, it was a pretty large move off of the, the, the bottom in gold, 1350 you know, 1250 area, that, 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 uh, that bottom off of December 20th, all the way to 2100, the new high. I mean, it's a big move. And now it's, you know, being digested. So, and it's weaker than I would have liked it to have been. I would have liked it to have held 1750 here, right? But you can, you can honestly see how breaking 1750 breaks a major psychological uh, level and therefore creates a larger psychological hurdle to overcome and buys the Fed more. Silver, same kind of thing here in silver. The, the beat down in silver is, you know, I don't know what to tell you other than, you know, I look at the beat down in copper, I look at the beat down in aluminum or all the others, and they're all still trading above their 2021 levels. And yet silver is now underwater that level by what? Almost you know, 20%. That's crazy, but it is what it is. It's where we are, and um, and uh, is silver putting in a bottom here? I don't know, but successive inside bars would suggest that this move was overdone, and that this is your low. Uh, we got we're, we can't push it any lower. Now we can't. We really can't push it any lower, and we're going to get compression. And then we're... now, how strong will that move be? A good question. Again. If the world is still being dominated by the dearth of dollars that's out there, then I got news for you. No one cares about silver price. Except us. Except the silver bug. It is what it is. So let's watch. But if silver is going to break out here, um, when it does, it's going to be explosive. They're going to lift, you know, they're going to, the, the very people who make money on the downside are going to want to make money when silver's, when, when, when silver's positioning turns bullish and they're going to make money on the upside. 
And I'll never forget, Jim Sinclair is always right about this. Like the same people that, you know, steal your money at highs, you know, make you money at the lows. So, and they make more money than you do. So always sell into strength and always buy a bottom and then just wait and leave 20% on the table in both directions for the God agreed, take the middle 60% of the move and be happy. And if I can give trade, if that's the, if the trading advice I can give to anybody or even investing advice I can give to anybody, that's really the best advice I've ever been given. I can't execute it because I'm a bit twiddler and a game player and an optimizer, which is why I don't trade. But, but, that is your, that is your strategy. That is, that should be your mantra. Leave 20% on the upside and the downside to the God agreed. Never, ever, ever. Don't have access to it. Get those prices every once in a while. Consider yourself lucky, not good. And the Bitcoin, speaking about being lucky rather than good. So Bitcoin is doing, is a, I think, about two or three weeks ahead of, or even four weeks now ahead of, where I think both silver and gold are going. The kind of thing you're seeing in silver and gold now, certainly silver, back-to-back inside bars, back-to-back inside bars, and then a breakout to the upside, but not necessarily strong enough to really, you know, make life interesting. Well, just, just interesting, and just high enough here to, to, to uh, close above the high here. But then last week, we couldn't get the close above the high here. Is that a repeat of not being able to get a, a close above this high, as I talked about on Sunday? Good question. We're going to find out because this week's trading is not all that interesting. Okay? Or you could argue that 24000 was you know, way ahead of the curve. But it looks like Bitcoin is starting to try and grind out a position here and trying to grind out a bottom. And it's, you know, this bottom formation here is already longer than the last one. That's a good sign. So let's continue to, you know, continue to, to allow the, the, the market to work itself out. Okay? Because at some point, you know, and I've said this in the past, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to surprise, you know, I'm going to make people angry. I'm going to make a lot of normie um, analysts angry about it. But at some point, the Fed is going to flip and go bullish on both gold and Bitcoin. They're going to have to. The Fed is going to go long gold and Bitcoin. I mean, it's not tomorrow, and it's not next month, and it's not next year. But in the future, the math determines that we will see that. If you're asking me whether I should, you know, I think you should buy Bitcoin here, well, I think you should toe dip. Like, I think you should be buying a little bit of silver and a little bit of gold. But I think you should be keeping your cash balances high in case there's a spasm. And then the Dow will be on sale. And I think that anybody who's, you know, currently owns U.S. 10 years, I think is, uh, you know, playing with fire. Get into that too, right? Brink crude. So, again, let's look at what we already have this week in Brent crude. So five-week downtrend, clearly an operation to push it back down to this level between $95 and $100 a barrel. Can't seem to get a weekly close below $100. Um, that's a very telling sign. So when they get the break bullet, when they get the psychological break where they get the weekly close below $100 a barrel, it will cause a lot of weak hands to decide whether or not they still want to be long oil as they continue to believe that the Fed rates, which will crush the economy and blah, 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 even though the economy is already crushed so the big question you now have to ask is is this violation of last week's low remember and last week's volatility is as small as this bar looks relative to all these bars it was still historically speaking really high volatility because the sum here is only 40 percent 
We already have a bar that's more volatile than that this week or close to the same volatility this week. Are we going to get a move back higher or is oil being sat on by an actor in the market? And if the, this is an interesting question. And this is where I would think that the Fed would want to come out today and take some pressure off the market. Right, we've talked all you know through this. I'm like working it through. You know, what do I think the Fed is ultimately going to do? Well, I think if I'm right and Davos is trying to engineer a crash in the price of oil in order to, you know, further war ambitions against the Russians and you know gin up a, a two front war against the you know with the Chinese, which is clearly what's going on with this whole thing with Pelosi and Taiwan and. You know, Biden meeting with Xi, calling Xi. This is clearly an attempt to make the U.S. look like a bunch of war institute, you know, war instigating, uh, war mongering fascists. This is the goal, and that Europe is the victim of U.S. horrible U.S. diplomacy. This is the the narrative that they're spinning. It's the narrative they always spin. So now, if we have that set up and. Brent, and they really do want to engineer a, a $40, $50 per barrel Brent crude, which would be catastrophic, by the way, for U.S. oil producers. Which would be catastrophic, not just for the Russian side of things. It would be catastrophic for U.S. oil producers, where our producers are actually making money at $100 a barrel and $9 a thir- uh, 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 an MCF um, natural gas that we're selling to the Europeans at ridiculous prices, right? We have stocks in our portfolio that have done very well because of this scenario. Do you think the Fed wants to kill that? Do you think the Fed wants to feed the Biden antipathy, or, you know, antipathy is a way too weak a word, hatred for oil, U.S. oil production in particular? Do you think he wants to feed that? Or do you think he lets up a little bit here after, you know, three very, four very aggressive rate, three very aggressive rate hikes? The first one was tepid, right? I think he, I think he gives the, I think he throws everybody a bone this afternoon, and at the at the presser, and allows the general market to lift a little bit. Rates will back off, stocks will rally, oil will rally. Get that get that Brent crude price back towards one hundred and five or one hundred and ten dollars a barrel. Let's see a over the next two weeks. Let's see a let let's see that 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 strike back. Tell all of his traders over at over at. His oil traders over J.P. Morgan and Goldman and the rest of it. Oh no, we need to go back to 100. We need to break these. Back. We need to. Do we, yeah, I mean, what would that do to the whole Biden narrative about it's you know if you're miserable, blame the Fed. Like, crazy. Obviously, Davos is setting up with that with that narrative. They're setting up the Hobson's choice. Well, if you know oil prices go, if the Fed loosens or if the Fed is dovish, then oil prices will rise because everybody is expecting. Everybody will expect less demand destruction, and therefore price of gas will rise. We can then restrict the price of, price of gasoline through the RINs markets, and blah blah blah. blah. And we can we can you know blame them for high gas prices. Fortunately, the Biden administration has already taken credit for low gas prices. So again, most political is it the most political market in the world? It is right now. It used to be gold. Now it's now it's Brent crude. This is going to be interesting. I think. I'm coming down on the on the side here. Don't hold me to this, I, but I'm play, I'll, I'll put my my uh, you know I'll put my bet on the table. I think the Fed is uh, a little more dovish than the market was expecting today in order to get the price of oil back to 100. 
gold lifts off a little bit, but it's still so bearish that. All right, moving on. Uh, quick look at the overseas dollar markets. Um, LIBOR versus SOFR is telling us that as of last night that we're looking at 75 basis points with a seven with a seven basis positive seven point basis point spread between ultimately between the expected new rate for SOFR and the one month LIBOR futures. Uh, today's number will be very interesting to see what it looks like. Of course, it's going to collapse by 75 basis points after um, the Fed raises today. Now, if the Fed raises by 100 basis points, this this will be, this market will be horribly mispriced, and we'll have to play catch up, and it will play catch up quickly, and it could cause a whole bunch of crazy. But I think Powell is going to wait, is going to hold off on pulling the trigger on this until September, when the European Union will be particularly vulnerable to this kind of uh, shock right around the time of the Italian election. Now that they have the, now that they've engineered, in my mind, now that they've engineered the Italian elections, you use them to your greatest advantage. So strategically, I would be voting up for a late September meeting, a crush of the European Union, especially when you're talking about then being six weeks out from the, the midterm. Um, the flight to quality in the U.S. 10-year has abated. It's now, we're looking at 2.78%. It was 2.75 to open the week. The USDX is, I didn't, I don't think I updated Ignore that. Uh, the euro has, because that's not right, because the euro is down to a 101.45. Um, 101.46. Um, I expect the euro to, to retest parity post Powell. If Powell comes in with a dovish thing here, it's going to loosen, going to lift pressure, and then at the same time, it's going to in, still invite more capital here to the end. Just, you know, the ECB just went hawkish. Just panicked, capitulated. Fed stays the court. Who's going to win? The, who's going to win the I've regained confidence of the market fight more here? Powell or Lagarde? The uh, uh, yuan is flat. The the yen has been mostly flat for the last week or so. The ruble is starting to rise again, mostly on the weakness of oil, and the Hong Kong bag is still holding. So again, these markets haven't done much. The euro dollar futures curve. Um, this was this was Sunday's. Uh, data, the red line, this is today's. So we're starting to get, you know, looking at where we were. Remember, on 621, we were here. On 76, we were here. And then by 722, after a, you know, after we bounced around a little bit, we wound up back here. Okay. And now we're starting, it's starting to, to, to fall again. So the expectations are, even within the euro dollar system, dollar markets, that the Fed is not going to that the Fed's going to pivot in December and that now we're looking at um, it, them not giving back as many rate hikes um, as they thought. I still think this market is way overpriced. They should be pricing in not 3.5% here or 3.75. They should be pricing in 4 because I think that's where Powell's going to be. So I think Powell has told you he's going to be at 4 I think that's, he said that's what his target is. But if inflation doesn't come down, he's going to move that to four and a half or five. And I think the euro dollar futures market right now is playing with fire. Badly. Last thing to talk about this morning is the Dow. So last week we had this little minor technical breakout here where we closed above this high, which, you know, in effect negates this entire formation and kind of sets up a, 
you know, a potential run to 33. Again, if the Fed comes out today and is dovish, relatively relative to what the market thinks, raising by 75 basis points is a hawkish move, no matter how you cut it. But the market has mostly priced that in, at least in its mind. Now the question is, if the Fed comes in and says, hey, look, you know, things aren't that bad. We can see, we're, you know, we're seeing some new things and to come to light here. So not so awful, blah, 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 blah. Well, then we're going to see, you know, then, then we're going to see, we're going to see a, a move higher um, in the Dow, and uh, we'll see a move higher. And I'm not talking about the, the about Powell coming in and being like, you know, ECB supportive dovish. I'm talking about him just not being as bearish as the market um, has become in the last couple of days with the disastrous earnings. Um, season that we've had so far so the best powell can do here is kind of come out be neutral to he'll throw a, if he doesn't throw gasoline on the fire and then is you know kind of you know look things aren't that bad they're bad but they're not that bad if he if, if powell does that i think the way the market is positioned right now i think we see a 300 point move in the dow that's simple and i think we see you know a backing off in rates and I think we, you know, on the long end of the yield curve. And I think we see, a, you know, yeah, but I think he's also going to come out and say, look, but we're not going to be deterred to get back to what we think is policy, what we think is a positive uh, 2% yield spread of four to four and a half, four to four and a half percent, on, you know, by the end of the year. And I think that if he continues to just say that while saying, I don't think things are as bad as, and, uh, you know, that'll be that. That works for me. I think that's a market report. I'm going to get going. Uh, you guys be well. I'm going to cue the music. We'll talk soon. I think I actually got it right tonight. So do yourself a favor. Keep the stick on the ass.